Keep in mind, the next three Sunday nights, we have three different men. They're going to deal with what we would call apologetics, you know, reasons for the faith and so on. First week will be creation versus evolution. Christ, the second week, versus religion or religions. And then the third week, can we trust the Bible? And there might be a fourth week, but uh, we'll let you know on that. Let's pray together. Thanks, Father, for your word, that it is profitable in living in dependency upon you. We want to be those who hear and apply. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Years ago, there was a missionary couple coming home from Africa. They had faithfully served the Lord for many years, spending most of their life in Africa, not having a furlough every three or four years like you know, many would have today. And as they were coming home, they happened to be on the same ship as Teddy Roosevelt, who was returning from one of his African hunts. And there was a lot of fanfare with Teddy Roosevelt, and this couple just kind of didn't know anyone. No one acknowledged what they had done for many, many years. And they came into New York City, and again, there was a big band and a big fanfare as Teddy came off the ship. Missionary couple came off with no one to meet them and went about their business of trying to find a, an apartment in New York City and found an apartment. And it was some days later, the wife found her husband sitting in the room in the dark and pouting. She said, what's wrong, honey? He said, I have served the Lord for many years in Africa along with you. We've been faithful. We come back to the States and there's no one to meet us. We're barely making it financially. And I'm just discouraged. And his wife said, remember, there's a difference between you and Teddy. <coughs> You're not home yet. That missionary was having a struggle. Struggles, whether it be emotionally, mentally, physical, financial, relationally, on the job, and so on, are part of life. How we live and how we respond to struggles are very important. And I think also, sometimes we go through life and we say, well, I'm not in the midst of something, so why should, I, why should I even learn about it? Because Proverbs talks about the fact that wise people lay up knowledge. Wise people don't wait until they need something to try to get the resources. They live life, they learn as they go along. And then when they come across something, they say, oh yeah, I've been through that, or I've learned that. And I think that is true with trials and struggles know of life, laying up knowledge, being prepared for them as they come along. I would invite you to, if you're following along in the notes, we're on page two, under 4B, and under B, I want to mention number three. Now just say, see Psalm 119. Let's turn to Psalm 119. In Psalm 119, the psalmist seems to have a lot to say about just the whole issue of the 
value of God's word and the law of the Lord, the commands of the Lord, and so on. And in Psalm 119 and verse 71, Psalm 119 and 71, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. It was good for me to be afflicted that I might learn your decrees. Affliction seems to be one of those items that drive us to God. In Psalm 119 and what, or 92, Psalm 119 and verse 92, if your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Apparently the psalmist had a pattern of life of delighting in the law of the Lord. Affliction came. He said, if your law hadn't been my delight, I would have perished. It seems to me the psalmist blossomed in affliction. He didn't merely endure it. He didn't merely make it through, but he blossomed. John Piper, along with another man who had been through cancer, wrote a chapter in a book on suffering, Don't Waste Your Cancer. And basically, they came at it from the angle of God wants to use this. It's good. It's profitable. Don't waste it. And think about affliction in that way. Don't waste it. And one of the ways to avoid wasting it is to delight in Scripture. And then number four, I mentioned Romans 5. With Romans 5, 1 through 11, with 12 through 21, We're not going to read the entire chapter. But the beginning of Romans 5, Paul has ended chapter 4 with stating that through Christ and his resurrection, we have justification. So in chapter 5 and verse 1 of Romans, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Good stuff. We've been justified, declared righteous. We have peace with God. We have access by faith into God's grace. And we can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, what's coming. But he says in verse 3, not only so. But we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, in character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Walking with God means choosing to value trials. It means choosing to have an attitude of joy. Why? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character gives hope. I think one of the greatest things is to meet an older person who has been through years and years of suffering, whatever form of suffering it may be, and they come across another suffering and say, oh, yeah, we're going to rejoice in this one and milk it for all it's worth. Because I've seen God build perseverance and character and give hope in the trials of my life. That's where Paul is coming from. But again, it calls for a renewed mind. It calls for biblical thinking. 
because we by nature count trials and difficulties and suffering as obstacles rather than opportunities for the Lord to build perseverance and character into us. And that gives hope. It's not our natural response. But we choose to respond. And then you can go on, it talks about, you know, how God showed his love. It talks about being in Adam versus being in Christ. Choose to value trials. Don't waste them. So someone comes through a trial and you're talking to them and they say, well, I made it through that one. Maybe we ought to graciously say, if they're a believer, you made it through, but did you rejoice? Did God build perseverance? Did God build character? And do you have hope that that was a good experience? Choose to value them. Most people by nature are so consumed with escape that they never see any value in trials. We rarely see our proud, selfish heart apart from trials. We become more independent. Being in Christ changes how one looks on suffering. Just being in Christ. Go over to Romans 8. He talks about life in the Spirit in Romans 8, verses 1 through 17. In 15, he says, we have, re- we have not received a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and co with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Notice verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. There's a time and a place for comparison. One of those times and places is when you're going through a difficulty. You take that trial, that difficulty, and you compare it to what's coming in the future. That's not worth comparing to the glory that is coming. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Then he talks about the whole creation groaning together. Verse 26, he talks about the Spirit praying for us, and God can work all for good. That's all because we're in Christ. Being in Christ changes how you look on suffering. We by nature don't like it. We by nature resist it. But our life is in Christ. Whether you have a family suffering, you have an emotional struggle, you have a financial difficulty, being in Christ changes the outlook. I would encourage you to take Romans 8 and read it. And reread it and read it some more as you 
prepare, prepare for the trials of life. Because when Paul says in verse 28, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. He doesn't say all things are good. He says God works them for good. Paul doesn't say that's a possibility. He says that's a reality, but also notice a condition. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. This isn't something just said to everyone, to those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. And then he goes on to say, for those God foreknew, he predestined, and, and so on. There's some other passages that I think are good in relation to suffering. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Philippians 3, 7 through 10. Hebrews 12, 1 through 13. James 1, 2 through 11. 1 Peter 2, 18 through 25. But in 2 Corinthians, we won't turn there, but it talks about the fact that we wear out in the outside, but we're being renewed in the inside. That's life. We wear out. Our bodies wear out. So we set our hope not on what is seen. We set our hope on the outward. In that case, I think he's referring to the physical body. We run into problems. But if we set our hope on the eternal, that changes the per perspective. In Philippians 3, he talks about, says, I have a desire to know Christ. Again, some scriptures to read and ponder. Your beliefs, your thinking and attitude and suffering will make you or break you. Your attitude and outlook and suffering will make you or break you. See, God doesn't intend for us to endure our trials. He intends for us to know Christ. Not only to know Christ, but to actually blossom in our trials. Suppose next spring you decide to plant a garden and you put corn out. And you decide that you want this corn to be well watered, so you water it and it starts to come up, and you water it frequently. He says, it's got to have enough water. One of the worst things you can do for it. Because the roots will all be surface. You get wind, and the corn will blow over. Corn and other plants. Too much water is not good. Because their roots never go deep. And the same is true of the trials of life. We need them to drive our roots deep into Christ. I've seen that whole plant deal happen a number of times. Plants don't need too much water. They want to need roots, need to go deep. And the same thing is true of a tree. So the roots go deep. And trials have a way of doing that. 
for us, letting our roots go deep into Christ, into God. Remember Job. Job got his audience with God, and God gave him a little quiz. And Job got done, he said, I repent. His roots were into God, not having answers, but into God. God, I want an answer. Why? Do you want an answer or do you want me? I hope we'll take God anytime before an answer. We may have an answer, but if we don't have God and our roots are not going into God, the next one comes along and we become more demanding. Job, to our knowledge, never got an answer from God. He just had God. That's all he needed. Just God. Give up attempting to avoid suffering, whether it be in your own life or others. Accept it as life in an imperfect world. Let your children suffer. Teach them how to suffer. Give up thinking your children must have it better than you had it. You may be depriving them of what the Lord wants to use for good and profit. One of the great concerns that I have in 21st century America, in Christian circles, is that we want our children to have it very good. We want our grandchildren to have it very good. And they never learn how to suffer. So when they're 50 or 60 and have a major issue in life, we wonder why their faith looks like nothing. They don't have a tested faith. Peter talks about the fact that the trials test faith to show that it is genuine. I think many times we try to prevent others from having trials and struggles of life also. Not only our own children, but other people. And we try to avoid them. My encouragement is to give up attempting to avoid suffering. Accept it. Whatever form that takes. Your child is having a problem at school. You're going to run to the school and you're going to fix the problem. Teach your child how to respond to the problem. The teacher's being a pain. Maybe you better find out the reality of the situation first. And maybe if the teacher is even being a pain, maybe somewhat incorrectly, teach them how to respond. They say, Mommy, Daddy, I want this, I want that, I want the next thing. You want it, but you don't need it. Because when we give them everything they want, we're teaching them to avoid suffering and pain. And that affects them later on in life. So if your kids, your grandkids come across trials, let them experience them. Help them to experience God's grace in trials rather than His discipline because they're running from them.
practice body life in suffering. Allow others to minister to you. Um, don't respond to this, but I'm going to go around the group. Jeff, yes. what struggles are you facing tonight? Don't answer me. <clears throat> Jim, what struggles are you facing tonight? What are you going through? What's difficulty? Cheryl, what are you doing you know, in terms of just difficulty? Ray, what difficulties have you had in the last couple months? Alan, did you have any difficulties in the last few months? Karen, how about you the last three weeks? Elka, how about any troubles you've been through in the last couple of weeks? Now, my next question is, how many people did you share with about your struggle? Whatever type it is. God wants us to practice body life. He never designed us to walk through life alone. And in the trials that we have, But the enemy, Satan, says, you can make it. No one else goes through what you do. You know, carry it alone. But Paul, Peter, and so on talk about the one another's. Pray for one another. Encourage one another. You know, build one another up. That's body life. And in suffering, allow others to minister to you. You say, you know, I'll make it myself. You might. But when God wants you to be very mature, wants you to be way up here in terms of maturity, you're way down here because you never left others minister to you in the midst of it. Share your concerns with others. Don't be an island. Take the concerns of others serious. Contact them. Carry their burden. Far too often we carry our burdens alone. Tell you something about body life, and many of you have been through it. Someone shares a burden or struggle with you. Don't stop with hearing them. Give them a call. Drop them a note. Say, I'm praying for you. I'm thinking about you. I care about you. That's body life. See, we can share with someone, or we may hear what someone shares with us, but don't stop with that. Carry it with them. So maybe you go over and cry with them. And that's all you do. You just go over and cry with them. Maybe you, go over, maybe you get together with them and you pray or you pray over the phone, whatever it may be. But being the body. If I were to ask for a volunteer to come up and I were to pull a hammer out and I say, lay your hand here. I say, now I'm going to tell you beforehand what I'm going to do. I'm going to take that hammer and I'm going to hit as hard as I can on your hand. And you choose to leave your hand there. (laughs) What would happen if the rest of your body did not help with that hand? What if your arm said, I'm not going to help the hand. What if your white blood cells said, I'm not going to help, so you get a bad infection? What if the heart said, I'm not going to pump any more blood to the hand? See, the body just automatically responds. And that's what God desires, you know, as we think about being 
the body of Christ. Align Scripture with your suffering. Align Scripture with your suffering. On page four, I list five areas of trials, physical, financial, relational, emotional, mental, and spiritual. And I list a variety of scriptures there. I would encourage you to take those scriptures. And as you prepare for trials, you go through trials, read some of those scriptures. We're not going to obviously discuss them all tonight. We'd be here until next year at this time. But renew your mind. Think biblically. And I would encourage you to even write out scripture in a card. Stick it in your car or in your lunchbox if you're going to work on a mirror to remind yourself how to renew your mind and how to think. So you get up in the morning, you look in the mirror, and your body's aching, and you think, ah, oh, yeah, this old man wears out, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. But I'm being renewed inwardly. I'm going to set my focus on the eternal. You have this relational struggle, and you see in your mirror, a verse that talks about love. I'm supposed to love this person. No. Jot a verse out or print it out in the computer, however you want to do it. And stick it somewhere where you're reminded to see it over and over again. You know, depending on the nature of the struggle you have. So you're sitting down to pay your bills. And there's not enough money to go around. And you happen to have Matthew six nineteen through 34 typed out with your bills. And you read over that passage and say, well, you know, God takes care of the birds of the air. God takes care of the grass of the field. I guess he'll take care of me. No, renewing the mind. Number five, suffering is normal in an imperfect world but we have the necessary resources in Christ and in the body of Christ to live well. (coughs) Suffering is normal. You won't escape it. A baby, by the time they're two days old, has experienced some suffering. You say, how? Their belly says they're hungry. So what do they do? They cry. Hunger is a form of suffering. So sometimes a mom has to say, be patient. That's probably a good response as they get a little older so that they learn some patience in life. So that when they're 16 and they come in the house and say, is supper ready? No, it's going to be another hour. I'm hungry, I'm starving. Look, we practice patience around here. Renew your mind. You're in Christ. Suffering is normal. But we have the necessary resources in Christ and in the body of Christ. I didn't say merely in Christ. I said also in the body of Christ. Elijah got the blues, and he said, I'm the only prophet left. 
And God said, hey, Elijah, you're not the only one. But Elijah, for a period of time, kind of lived as an island. He wasn't in the body of Christ as we know it today, but there were other people that could minister. How many of us carry heavy burdens alone? That is contrary to God's design. You cannot blossom as the God intends on a trial if you're trying to carry it alone. Because you're violating scripture or to let others share it. I know I mentioned this in the past. A very sinful thing that I did when I got my tumor in my forehead was to tell Ruth Ann you're not to tell anyone, and I didn't tell a soul. That went on for some three months until I ended up going to the hospital. Then I had to say something. I could hide it with my hair. I can't hide it so well now because I'm losing some of my hair. You look at my forehead, there's a scar here and kind of a little hole in the skull. I sinned, and I confess that. When I asked Ruth Ann to be an island, and I was an island myself. So I stood up and was preaching and ministering the word to you years ago while hiding from you. That was wrong. I was part of a body and part of a body that was to be shared. But we by nature don't do that. I'm not talking just physical. I'm talking financial, you know. I'm talking emotional struggles. I'm talking relational difficulties and so on. We live in a world, but God has given us all that we need in Christ and in the body of Christ. Our home is not on earth. We're foreigners, strangers on this earth. Living by faith means we often will not receive what we desire but we're to keep our focus on the eternal. We're not home. We're foreigners. We're strangers. Turn to Hebrews 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Faith chapter, God's Hall of Fame, if you want to call it that. Talks about faith, being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. Then he talks about Abel, he talks about Enoch, he talks about Noah, he talks about Abraham. By the way, how many of us, if we were Noah, would have obeyed? God says, I want you to build this big boat. A boat? Yeah. What's a boat for? Well, it's going to float. But God, a boat that big? The dew that waters the earth does not make enough water for this thing to float. Look, no, I didn't ask you to respond with questions. I merely told you what to do. And Noah apparently obeyed. He apparently did not question God. He didn't say, God, what's going on here? He just obeyed. That was by faith. Now he's going to get into the ark. 
God, what am I doing in this ark? I just obeyed by faith. Abraham, God says, I want you to leave her of the Chaldeans. Where am I going? Apparently he didn't ask. It says he obeyed and went. Even though he did not know where he was going. Verse 13 says, All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they're looking for a country of their own. They had been thinking of the country they left. They would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Verse 13, all these people were still living by faith when they died. Taking God at his word and acting. Because they admitted they were aliens and strangers. Having traveled some in other countries, probably Africa being the most extensive, being gone for the longest period of time. There were some things in Africa that I was not crazy about. The heat. During Harmattan, when you look out and you can't see the mountain because between you and the mountain there's just all kinds of dust you know, coming from the Sahara Desert as the winds blow down from the Sahara Desert. <clears throat> Wasn't crazy necessary about some of their transportation. One night after we had completed class, the missionary that was supposed to pick us up had not, had not come to pick me up, I should put it that way. So I thought, I'm going to start to walk home. This was after dark. Oh, Pastor Dan, you can't do that, you can't do that. Why can't I walk home myself? Oh, I might get a bit by a snake. If you're going to walk home, you've got to make a lot of noise as you go so that the snakes get out of your way. And I'm not particularly fond of that. So they walked home with me. You see, I put up with all that because I knew I was going to be home in about three weeks. Think about the trials we go through, whatever type they may be. We're not home. We're aliens. We're strangers. We're passing through. The people in Hebrews 11 were looking for a country of their own. And he goes on to list other items, and then in chapter 12 and verse 1, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The cloud of witnesses seems to be the people in chapter 11 who just live by faith. Hebrews 11, God's Hall of Fame. People who will just live by faith day in and day out. Tempted at times to respond incorrectly as Abraham did and had a child by Hagar. But God reaffirmed the promise and he continued to walk with God. Live by faith. We're not home. Trials come, they're part of life. 
apply what we have been discussing. Questions or comments as we wrap up our discussion tonight? Remember, life is not always fun. God never promised us a fun life. He never promised us a problem-free life, but he wants to form his holiness in us in the trials of life. He's not called us to be happy, necessarily, but he has called us to be holy. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you that in Christ, in the body of Christ, we have the resources we need to live in the trials that we face. And if we're honest with ourselves, Father, there's times we are angry, there's times we get bitter, we get very frustrated in the trials of life, and we resist a correct response, but yet you patiently work in our lives to conform us to Christ. We want to be open, sensitive, yielded to you. For it's in Christ's name I pray, amen.